Hi guys, welcome to Back and Forth. On this episode, we'll be featuring Ram Radhakrishnan of Silk, which is an innovative new tech company trying to untangle the messy process of importers dealing with manufacturers. I can assure you it is a very entertaining episode, if not educational. Enjoy. You're listening to Back and Forth, a ping pong chat about logistics. Brought to you by TGL, Think Global Logistics. Thank you so much for being my um, very, very VVIP guest. Um, uh, for, for, for all of our audiences that are watching, um, Ram and I have known each other for how long, Ram? Two, what, 12 years now? Yeah, it's okay. definitely a decade. Yeah. I recall I had a lot more hair back then too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so too. <laughs> but uh, back then you were i think you were you you were single as well but now you're married with 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 um daughter a son a son a son yeah yeah so uh, so a long time and um and you know i've um we first met each other at um ch robinson days Right. That's correct. Um, and you were in charge of New York, or you were working in the New York station there? I was working in the New York station. I would. I was far from being in charge. I was an intern. Right. The Robinson New York International Office. Right. Right. But good people gravitate towards each other, and and it was some years later where we um, you reached out to me, and um, 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 over when you were over at uh, Flexport. Um, and then we started another collaboration um, there, and then um, and then you went on and started a family, and then created you know what we are here to talk about, which is silk. Um, wow. I'm super, by the way, I'm super excited to talk about silk. Reason being is that I love talking about logistics, but to be honest, I'm a bit sick of my own voice as well talking about the same shit over again. You bring <laughs> other freight nerds. <laughs> But you're doing something that is, I will put my hand up and say, it's outside of my expertise. I haven't had any experience in it. I don't have any sort of meaningful visibility in it. And here you are sort of branched up the supply chain and created a tech company that from our earlier discussion sounds super interesting to me because it's all about simplification and it's yeah. it's right on my wavelength right on my tangent so yeah. ram again i want to thank you for being my guest um and um and uh, and i want to congratulate you as well because you are coming hot off the press after raising um uh, 18 million dollars for your business which yeah. is, speaks volumes for the you know the the promise that silk uh, has and its potential yeah Absolutely. Hey, thank you. Thank you, La. I really appreciate it. And again, uh, speaking from, you know, 10 years ago when I was sitting as a, as a you know, green-eyed boy, although I do have black eyes, uh, <laughs> sitting in the New York International uh, branch, just uh, this is a very fascinating business. Uh, it's very easy to, to see why we're all very, very attracted to it. The, the international nature of it makes this just so alluring. Yes. Uh, you were my my friend, my confidant when it came to all things Australia back then. Uh, and, you know, I, I remember shipping kegs of beer, Brooklyn Brewery beer from New York to Australia. And you were just like pulling that out of customs like it was it was just an easy thing to do. I was like, how does this man even do it? Uh, but in any case, so. Uh, fast forward many years, I, I left Robinson, went to Toll for a couple of uh, for a little bit of time. And then essentially moved over to Flexport, uh, a name that anybody in the in the logistics world probably has heard of. 
for good or bad reasons, I'm going to let. The, I'm not going to get into that debate. Uh, but Flexport did, you know, give me a career. Uh, gave me a place to prove myself. It was one of those places that I have a lot of respect for, uh, just because it gave me an opportunity to 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 learn so much and do a lot of great things uh, with smart people. I was able to kind of reach out to you to I was, at one point in my career, which I've done a few different things at Flexport. One of the things I did was build the the freight uh, agency network. Right, we needed you know responsible partners committed partners who cared about customers in in all the countries and you know my first phone call was to you i was like hey la are you ready for business and you were like i'm open for business let's do it <laughs> um and 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 for the listeners maybe i will probably add this this one interesting conversation la flies into san francisco i put him in a room with a bunch of my a uh, bunch of our team members from flexport and um you know flexports if for those who know flexport it's a crusade with you know in terms of providing transparency, visibility, you know, granular data. That's all they're all about. And Lau walks in and it just sits in the conference room and throws his notes out there on the table and goes like, "Listen, you can ask me to give you ten different ways on how this thing is priced, but all that matters at the end of the day is that number at the bottom. What is the total amount the customer is going to pay? That's all he cares about." Um, it was a very interesting conversation. Uh, a lot of eyes popped when they hear that. Uh, and, and it took me a lot of uh, talking and convincing to telling people saying, hey, he has a point. Uh, <laughs> I, I like all the visibility and the granularity, but at the end of the day, what's the total figure? So Silk is an extension of that. Um, essentially, I, I would say it's not very far from what you know, La. It's, it's, it's built on the same thesis as, as what you had mentioned. Um, customers care about total landed cost. Customers want to know exactly, hey, how much did I pay the factory? How much did I pay the forwarder? How much did I pay for customs? There's 10 different things you're spending money on, but at the end of the day, what is the cost of that inventory sitting in my warehouse today? And how much should I be marking it up and selling? What is my bottom line here? That's all. I mean, as, as many of the freight pundits on LinkedIn say, uh, bottom line is for sanity, top line is for vanity. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> at the end of the day, that's all that matters. I'm going to use that one. I, I, I really like that one. <laughs> So uh, we are essentially saying we, we started working backwards with that problem. Yeah. Uh, my experience at Flexport having built consolidation businesses and so on, I think the volatility in freight prices that everybody's seeing is, is fair and, and you know, it, uh, need to give it respect. Uh, the situation is a little crazy right now. But the market is moving towards normalcy and customers do want to get back to, hey, I want to know some sense of how much I'm going to spend on logistics. I need to be able to mark up my goods with confidence and not expect to lose my shirt in the transaction. Yes. Um, so we started working backwards from there. Uh, I got out at the beginning of 2020, right as the pandemic was just about raging on. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, in March is when we launched the company right at the day when TPM in Long Beach uh, in 2020 got canceled. Yeah. Uh, I was going to go to TPM and launch the launch the company there, and uh, lo and behold, I pushed a button on LinkedIn from my house instead, and and we and I launched the company. Um, <laughs> the, the purpose is pretty simple. We said, hey, what are the variables that impact that per unit cost? 
the variables uh, from a freight perspective is the what, when, and where. I need to know what is the merchandise that's being shipped. They just code the value of the merchandise. Yes. When is it shipping? So we know what the prevailing rate is. Yes. And you want to know where is it going from and to. If you had that, you can easily model this out. Um, it's it's not far from technology. 21st century technology allows us these benefits. Uh, I've been privy to you know building tech like this, and it was it it wasn't too crazy to fathom the world as such. Yes. So, customers, uh, our customers today are fashion brands in the U.S. They hire us and they pay us a flat fee per month to manage their production overseas. So it's something like a thousand dollars per month per factory. That's the cost you get you're able to get a merchandiser in a QA, QC who go to the factory in person, be your eyes and ears on the ground, give you all the visibility you need. We force digitization upon the supply chain because our people are using mobile apps, yes. telling you, yes, your fabric came in. Yes, they started cutting it. Yes, they started sewing. It did pass an inspection. It did not pass an inspection. Now it's delayed. Or oh, you rejected a sample. Now it's delayed. Being able to keep track of that in real time, it's a problem that a lot of companies face. It's you know, it is, it is not. It would not be a lie if I said that billions of dollars worth of inventory are managed on Excel sheets. Um, no disrespect to Excel sheets, one of the best pieces of software that's available, yeah. but it does have its own downsides. Yes. It doesn't yes. give you uh, any fidelity, data fidelity, data integrity. Yes. So having a platform, having our people update that platform, you being able to log in and hey, I don't have to tell the system anything. The system now tells me what's happening. That's right. That's right. That's like magic. Yes. Uh, that, that's kind of you know, innovation. A lot of innovation done right looks like magic, and yeah. that's what we're trying to recreate right now. Um, so we've been doing that for about two years. Our customers they are able to kind of log in and say, okay, I work with my factory in 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 Delhi. Right. or in Shanghai, or in, in Ho Chi Minh City. We are working in six countries. We have our own teams in six countries. Wow. You're able to instantly see, hey, okay, what's happening in my production? They're able to go and follow up and start looking at real-time information. We have finally hit that phase now saying, okay, with all that data, we can predict your per unit cost with confidence and sell it to you. We are a licensed NBL. We are essentially launching this out in the US in Q3. Uh, the, the, the goal is simple. You hire us, you place POs with your factories, you negotiate your FOB terms, we'll make sure the goods get out, we will give you the DDP conversion. Mm. All landed duty paid, everything is taken care of and the goods get delivered to your warehouse. We will take on that risk, the liability and the responsibility of getting the goods delivered to your warehouse for a flat guaranteed rate. That's that's the value prop. Cool. Yeah, well, on one hand, I think, you know, on one hand, just hearing that, that's music to my ears. Yeah. Um, on another hand, I've got so many questions already in my head building up. <laughs> but I'm going to let you continue because I don't want to curtail or, or lead this conversation in a way that, you know, it's not intended because you are the guru here. So I will uh, let you continue. Oh, where do I begin? Where, where, can I, uh, where can I help kind of draw the framework here, right? So we operate, as I said, in six countries. Uh, is there a specific uh, area, market, trend that you want me to pick on a little bit? Well, it's more so like because obviously you say you've got your own teams on the ground there providing that on the ground support, assistance and visibility. Yeah. So would you consider your business model, I mean, it is a tech business by any measure. 
Yeah. Um, but you still need people on the ground, like you said. You know, when is the fabric arriving, getting cut? You need physical, almost like a UN inspector in this yeah. process, sort of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, do you see this become a quite a human resource-heavy business at the same time? No, so that's where the data comes into play, right? So what we're essentially trying to build is a data set for each geography we operate in. We do not have to essentially have people in every city and every factory. As the data model starts spitting out prediction models at us, telling us, saying, hey, if the fabric is four days late, the factory does have the capacity to make up that four days lost time during production. They can essentially add a line and get it done. Right. That kind of visibility now we're starting to build we're able to predict better. So you don't have to have that much reliance on humans. Now the data starts predicting what the future is going to say. Uh, using historical information, using forecasting information such as, hey, for example, cotton price is up 70% year over year. Um, likewise, you have other markets also experiencing the same kind of uh, price increase. So yes, yes. So then, then, I, then, then I'll imagine then you will be welcoming AI and definitely be incorporating AI um, as the next uh, evolution to this tech. Absolutely, right. So what this is going to be in Q3 would be a customer could log in and give us those components of what, when, and where of a shipment and walk away with a DDP price guarantee. Yes. Uh, saying, hey, I know exactly what these goods are going to land at and now you can make more intelligent sales transactions. All of that is going to be powered by AI, obviously telling us what's really happening in, in the supply chain, in the market. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the business is called Silk. Okay. Maybe we, we, we go back to grassroots a bit. Why is it called Silk? S-I-L-Q. Hey, it's a spin on the Silk Route, the modern Silk Route. That's, that's what facilitated trade. We want to be able to facilitate trade with that level of confidence. Uh, you know, uh, an importer should not face the level of ambiguity they face today. It's just not fair. Um, they should be able to, you know, compete in a world where Amazon uh, dominates supply chains and has the ability to do that yes. uh, with their own supply chain network, affording them significant advantages on the unit cost economics. Yes. Uh, we want to be able to afford that for more bronze uh, to be able to kind of, you know, build a fair market. Uh, you know, have that unique advantage itself. Right, right. And that is why it's called Silk. Right, and I think that's a brilliant name. With that, you know, exactly. I, I think it's quite. It's almost there. There, there is an air of romanticism with the name. You know, with that. You know, trying, trying. Uh, our, our first vertical we service today is fashion, and silk is by far the most strongest natural fiber ever. Right. You take all the natural fibers out there, silk is the strongest in terms of tensile strength. Right. So yeah, it is it is definitely and obviously it has a very luxurious feel to it. It's like, hey, you're you're respected, <laughs> you're valued here. So that segues into my next question is that textile is a no-brainer to 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 this yeah. business model. Right. Um, can you can what are your plans for in terms of the industry co coverage? Um, what is possible and what may not be possible yet. Okay. I mean, when I say what impossible, I mean in terms of what industries, yeah, that yeah. is probably not. So we have already expanded and branched out into the broader category of soft goods. So we work with apparel, home furnishing, footwear and accessories. That's the broader category, soft goods itself. Uh, we're beginning to start making inroads into furniture. 
Uh, now, if you look at apparel itself, right, it, it is probably one of the most manual manufacturing processes ever. It's one stitch at a time. There's a, there's somebody who's sitting and sewing this garment here. Right. Uh, automation has not prevailed significantly here. And the, what that tells you is manufacturing in apparel in, in fashion is an art, more of an art form than a science. Yes. Uh, there isn't as much of, of regulations or, or at least a process, so to speak. Everybody forms their own process. Yes. Um, whereas when you talk about furniture, it's more of a science. It's precise. There's more automation in there. So obviously the lift on that would be significantly easier. Uh, yes. That's why we chose the most difficult one. Let's yes. build it there and then we'll have the dexterity to be able to service something like furniture much more easily. Yes. Uh, the level of complexity that goes into a garment, I mean, ask any customs broker, they'll tell you. Classifying a garment is is is, is not anyone's uh, wish on their worst enemy. Yeah, no, no. I think that they type, to be honest, but the entire system of classification and global... Yeah. Um, it needs to be, have a complete overhaul, right? Because there's yeah. so many free trade agreements already in place. I think garments yeah. are the last one sort of left sort of, you know, lagging on a bit. But um, but yeah, but I think that that's a different process or a different conversation for another time um, uh, because you're going to get me started again. I mean, and I can see this hole already. I'm going to... <laughs> Classifying garments and classifying footwear, any, any freight customs brokers had nightmares doing that. Yeah. It is, you know, you just got to give them so much respect. There's so much nuance to it. Uh, and so the, that is that is where we saw the pain the most acute. And we yeah. want to start solving that. Yeah. And it's a massive market, as you know. You know, we all got we all got to wear clothes. You know, we all got to wear clothes. And it's massive, massive. Uh, yeah. And it's highly competitive. And, and we're, let's be frank, uh, from my experience dealing with the rag traders, um, the most successful ones are the ones with the greatest visibility on the process that you are exactly bringing to market and um and you know and the smaller to medium ones are often the ones that uh can least afford the advancement in or the expertise or the tech the know-hows to get to that visibility and i think with your product again it's something very similar to our mission of designing our own tech is we're not going for the multinationals you know yeah. they've got their stuff sorted out they've got their time we're going for the smes the ones that at least can afford it and we yeah. bring something that's you know um affordable um, 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 um and and easy to use and give them you know don't detract their attention on the core business you know what I mean? Yeah. Give them, like you were just saying, our model of simplification, give them just one yeah. rate to focus on. Is it in yeah. your budget or isn't it? That's the only decision yeah. that you need to be made. The yeah. rest, it doesn't add value. So, yeah. so everything you're talking about, you know, I've got hair standing on the back of my neck now. It's exactly where I think where us as the freight nerds, as you call it, should yeah. be going for the people that we serve. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's it, look, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> And, you know, in terms of regulations itself on that topic specifically, right, we were just coming off of this conference the, the Custom Brokers Association in America is having, and uh, it's going to be quickly announced very soon where uh, obviously there's talks in, in D.C. about repealing the, the, the Trump tariffs, uh, so to speak. And in exchange, there's going to be a lot more requirement on the importers of record to be like, hey, you're going to hold yourself to a higher ethical standard. Now, if you're producing cotton garments, you're going to have to prove that the origins of your cotton. And those requirements are going to need people to essentially scratch their brains and be like, hey, how am I going to figure this out? Um, so this, this, this need for visibility isn't more just a vanity anymore. It isn't anymore 
hey, I just want to see what's out there in the market uh, or what's happening in my supply chain. How does that impact decisions? Uh, how do you know where to buy and how to buy? These are all going to become very, very important uh, as we even come out of the pandemic. Well, I've, you know, again, you've, you've, um, you've said something very, very close to what I've recently read about this uh, exact subject matter, which is um, um, visibility isn't for efficiency, but it's going to become a regulatory thing, especially yeah. with all of the geopolitical um, um, a mess that's happening around the world. Uh, uh, you know, with 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 this factionalism of you know us as a human species, our our natural passion to always needing an evil person in you know at play. You know, it's almost uh, Shakespearean. <laughs> you know that. Uh, the dominant nations are going to demand its people or its uh, producers, you want to call it, to for better clarity of where you're getting your stuff. You know, is there an embargo here, embargo there? Um, which you know, like what you're talking about, w would slot right in, right? And 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 I think also uh, this is where blockchain is going to have a power there as well, right? Yeah. I mean, because that's you know, looking at. The, the the cargo flow to make sure everything's compliant and and is what it is it says it is um, so yeah so you've you, you've just hit the nail on the head by 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 all means I think this is this is happening not in the too distant future where 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 the owners are going to be on, uh, be on the importer or the trader to prove where they got their stuff from and yep. uh, and yeah. you know so that's it's 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 great news for you, but it's a scary notion for me, to be honest. Yeah. No, in the U.S., this thing started. You know, th this just compounds over the over the decades, right? Uh, the require requirement for importer security filing happened after 9/11. Now that started saying, hey, the onus is not on the manufacturer to declare alone. It's also the onus is on the buyer, on the importer who's right. Right. You need to be responsible for what's coming in with your name on it. Uh, and gradually since then, it's only gotten more more regulated. You want to be able to hold the person accountable uh, yes. of who's bringing the merchandise in. So, hey, there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of momentum in this direction of forcing digitization into the supply chain. It's no more a cost center. Supply chains have become your competitive advantage. That's not uh, the back office conversation. Anymore, yes. Right? Yes. Cost center, my friend. Yes. Uh, yeah. We're all we're all respected when we walk into customer offices. Um, they look at us, we're like, hey, you're a freight forwarder. Uh, you guys are selling shipments for containers for $20,000 a container right now. You guys are a big cost center. You get the main conference room. Uh, <laughs> well, that has been the yes. That has been the show. A, um, a um, what do you call it? The uh, a, a paradigm shift in how we went from the pests. You know, we, we were treated no better than the Mormons, and there's no disrespect to the Mormons. Okay, I mean, I would dare say, in fact, we're probably being treated worse than the Mormons because at least if you're a Mormon, you're still welcoming. We weren't welcomed by anyone, <laughs> and yet, you know, I was scratching my head, going, "How is it that I'm getting treated so nasty with such nasty um, 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 wheel or whatever you want to call it?" Um, and yet the service I'm providing is fundamental to the very people that's trying to kick me out. <laughs> yep. you know, we've, we've all been there. Uh, we've all been there when the ocean freight container rate landed at $600 a container in 2015 to the U S West coast. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've seen, we've seen the ups and downs. 
And I think customers have come to realize that it's no more a cost center anymore. You can't look at it like a cost center. I'm sorry, if you're out of inventory, if your inventory is sitting in the Pacific Ocean, yeah. guess what? Your, stock, yeah. your, your store shelves are empty. You're yeah. out of stock. Yeah. Uh, or, hey, you're paying $8 a unit air freighting that merchandise to make sure you're not having a stock out. Yeah. So it's no more a, a, a cost center. You, yeah. you really need to seriously. And every brand is like, okay, we got to invest in this. One of the, the big trends we saw coming out of the pandemic and we're seeing now is, Customers have all realized the importance of dual sourcing. You can't put all your eggs in one basket. It, no disrespect to one country or the other. It's it's regardless of which country you're manufacturing in, you have to have another backup in place in a geography that will not be affected by the same geopolitical or or you know other other concerns that you're dealing with, right? Um, and add to that, you're right now seeing the the turmoil in the economy in Sri Lanka. It's a huge garment manufacturer. Uh, they're going through a very difficult time right now as an economy. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Likewise with Pakistan as well. Yes. Uh, you're seeing you're seeing challenges. There's geopolitical tensions yes. happening there. Uh, so there is definitely a, a need for brands to be like, hey, I'm going into a new country. I've never yeah. manufactured in Vietnam yeah. or India yeah. or you know, yeah. new city in India. Uh, that's where we come in handy, right? Hey, having yeah, that absolutely thousand dollars a month, it's it's yeah, it's way less than anything you're going to ever pay in your country to hire somebody to do this. Let's yes. be very clear about that. Yes. You get a technology platform, you get eyes and ears on the ground, you get that guarantee that hey, you know what, I'm not getting taken for a ride. Yes, that's worth something. That's yes. definitely worth something for customers. Yes, well, the thing is, you know, again, you keep on hitting the the um the the headlines that um, that is right now being talked about right because like you know we take australia for example you know uh, right now it is no secret that australia uh, and its current government um has this it's hell-bent against china right it's yeah. it's, it's hell-bent look i'm not going to get into politics none of my business yeah. I, i'm a simple freight guy <laughs> right yeah. but 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 some of the things that they've been saying in terms of just, just you know, as a politician coming out. So they're standing on their podiums and they're basically just saying, oh, well, you know, um, so we have a lot of industry that were affected by, by, by this war, well, verbal war with China. Like, the, you know, we have our lobster industry essentially not exporting anything. Wine industry died, milk uh, powder industry gone. So many industry uh, being severely affected. And then you had these politicians at the podium say, well, you know, you guys just uh, have to diversify out of China. And I'm like, well, hang on, no. You can't just be sitting there when you, your skin isn't in the game and simply tell someone who's built that relationship with China for the better part of the last two to three decades. Yeah. Right? Um, China produces 93% of the goods that we consume globally. Yeah, right. yeah, you know, you can't just on a dime and get out of there and go find another country. You know, it's not realistic, yeah. right? So when they say this, and I thought this is just a slap in the face to all the importers and and uh, and all the traders because it's not realistic for them. Yeah. But then we're hearing what you're saying with your system, and and I also say to my guys, I say, well, you know, we do need to shift our we need we need to have a diversified portfolio of manufacturers in different countries. We know this, you know, stock market. That's how stock market is being played. Um, but then I thought, well, how do you actually shift away from this massive 
uh, giant or you know that that is China and some of the um, uh, practical challenges are the lack of visibility the lack of understanding that the the lack of c- uh, control of cost well just lack of cost understanding cost just to compare and 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 when you just said with your product and with your tech you give these people the power to do that yeah and they will make that transition out of China a little bit smoother. I'm not going to say it's going to be walking the park, but it's going to be that much. You're going to give these folks an educated yeah. um, 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 uh, uh, chance take or gamble, whatever you want to call it. You, 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 I mean, you're going to give them the tools to yeah. make the call, whether it's right or not. Yeah. So, you know, so again, like when you said that, and I just sort of, I just connected the dots in my head. I go far out. No wonder you're getting so much traction with this, uh, your business concept, because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's right hot off the press in terms of what you're offering and what the world is trying to get its own population to, to shift to, I guess. Yeah. So listen, I'm, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. All right. China is the world's best well-oiled machine uh, for the most part, even for customers who do want to move out of China who have expressed that interest, it's just not feasible. They just, the infrastructure China has built is none, I mean, it's second to none. Uh, you know, there are trips, uh, tips and tricks that you could use when you're trying to move out and, you know, for example, getting out of China, but let's also face it, like, you know, when we've helped customers, and we have helped customers get out of one country and move into another country, specifically China to other countries as well. Yeah. But I'm sorry, the fabric comes from China. You could do the cut and sew in another market. That's right. Uh, I'm sorry, nobody, uh, you know, certain kinds of fabrics, the infrastructure does not exist, at least for smaller quantities. That's uh, right. If you want a Nike, hey, you get to throw your weight around. You can land in Vietnam and build a factory in six That's months right. and make yours. That's but right. not everybody's a Nike. That's the right. In the mid-market customers, you and I service, they're not operating at that scale. They don't get that same level of sway uh, yeah. when they left these countries. Yeah. Um, so we have helped them. We've essentially moved fabric out of China into Vietnam yes. uh, or into, you know, into India or into other markets. Yes. Uh, and likewise, other ways as well. There are products that, you know, customers have taken to India in a panic uh, during the pandemic. And uh, they realize, wait, I can't scale. Like at this point, I'm bringing every fabric from China. Yeah. At the time I import it, pay import yeah. duties on it, yeah. and then yeah. cover that on my way out. Yeah. You know, the administrative costs alone don't make it worth it. That's right. I'd rather go back to China. So we're That's done. Right. Uh, so it's not, it's every business is different. There's no one size fits all. There are def- definitely tips and tricks that we provide. And obviously, right. At the end of the day, I mean, La, you've done this, I've done this long enough. Uh, it's a relationship business, man. If logistics is a relationship business, manufacturing is a whole different level of relationships. And yes, that's right. Uh, and we foster relationships. We enable better relationships. We enable, we, we bring data into these conversations to be yep. a bit more objective, to keep us all in check. Uh, the work that we do in factories does not mean we're policing factories. We also police customers. Yes. Right? If a sample has arrived at the customer's warehouse and it's all in the customer's office and it's just for 20 days and nobody responds to it, you you can't expect the factory to perform on time. Yes. Uh, so this is this is getting all of us organized, all of us on track, uh, hold all of us accountable towards building a better future. Uh, yeah. You can take that from a sustainability angle. You can take that from a just a business efficiency angle or an economics angle. Yes. That's open to interpretation. Everybody has different priorities. It's not our decision to make their yes. priority. But we enable whatever your priority is. Yes. You're telling me sustainability? Yes, we got you the product for that. We got you the people to make that happen. If it's telling, if it's economics, 
let's talk about it. Hey, a lot of us went through pain during the pandemic. There's a lot of brands that have had to pay those punishing freight prices, and they all are trying to recover and get out of the red. We're there to support them. That's all we're here to do. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think prior to COVID, pretty much most of this commercialized or industrialized world um, have all been operating on the just-in-time model, right? Yeah. Um, with COVID, that's shifted to just-in-case model, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, so, so we have a lot of folks now and a lot of people um, having a lot of inventory. Um, yeah. um, and that now it's no secret. I, I, I actually just li just literally finished another um, uh, YouTube video that we just filmed um, talking about uh, a bit of this and that demand is dropping right now. Obviously. Um, yes. And um, and, you know, US have increased the interest rate because of inflation. Australia just raised its rate because of inflation, which I think t was the probably the stupidest move you can uh, do. Um, it just shows them. It shows me that these so-called professionals have so little visibility on the real world right um much of the inflation in, in i mean in australia we've got 5.1 percent inflation which is high but yeah. don't forget freight rates have gone up five to ten fold yeah exactly. five to ten fold i just want to let yeah. the audience let that sink in a bit freight rates have yeah. gone five to ten fold Yep. That's, of course, going to trickle down onto the price of the goods, which will contribute greatly to that 5.1%. And, yeah. and with demand dropping, but that's because of COVID. We all yeah. bought so much shit. I'm sorry if I can even say that, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, there's buyer fatigue. We are buyer fatigue. And Amazon announced that quarterly results are down nearly 9.5%. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Like the biggest, world's biggest retailer is telling you people are not buying stuff. That's we all know the facts. We, and, and that's why I say sometimes we're more robust than the economists because they've got to wait for our data. Yep. Because I tell my guys, I say the best key economic metric is your full container pricing. Yep. Look at any trend lane, look at the last three months or the six months or 12 months projection, you'll know where the economy is. Yep. Because the freight rate's dropping, the economy is <laughs> Right? Something's not going so well. <laughs> so. Yep. The music so, is slowing down, so to speak. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, like you know, I mean, and and my view was all has always been, well, just think about it logically. COVID happened. We all bought stuff we didn't want. Therefore, of course, demand's gone up. COVID's going to shut countries down because of protection and all that sort of stuff. Understand? So there's a supply squeeze, demand surge. You're going to get the mother of all inflationary pressures yeah. happening, which is what we saw. But as soon as borders open. Guess what? That money, we were going to buy that thing. We're going to go and eat out. We're going to go travel. That's going to fix itself. It's going to reconcile itself. It doesn't need to be touched, right? It is but an anomaly created by two years of COVID lockdowns. Yeah. And yet now the last thing we want is to hit the mum and dads at the hip pocket by increasing interest rates. Therefore, the mortgage payments goes up. Yeah. For some people, that increase may not really have any real tangible impact on their lifestyle. But what it, what it will do, it will psychologically ruin them because they're going to have the fear instilled in their brain. Even though it might not affect them, they're going to go, oh no, the world's coming to an end. I'm not going to spend. So therefore, what would have gone to the restaurant? What could have gone to the, uh, the bar or the, the flights or whatever? They're saving that now. Yeah. Guess what? Recession. That's, the, that's a recipe for recession right yeah. so you know this is what i'm seeing happening and what the trend is and then plugging this back into silk i think with 
this impending recession, I'm on the camp that thinks recession is coming whether we like it or not. And I think, again, plugging silk into that, it's all the more important for you to give that customer that simplicity of knowing their cost and control their cost. And like you said, you're also backing up, we will wear the risks and so forth. Now that's gonna be a music to the ears to a lot of your potential customers. Yeah. So with the recession coming, um, that's the camp I mean, it's coming, right? And that this is more now, when there's uncertainty, people will seek out certainty. And, yeah. and again, I feel like I should be employed by Silk now. <laughs> okay. well, I'll, I'll do you one better. Let's pop it up with Italian customers. Okay, well, can I tell you something, Reb? You know, if I was to share a bit of my thoughts with you, um, what you're doing directly plugs into what we're trying to do after the manufacturing process with our tech. And where our tech will go to as well, we will go into the customer's area and then somehow can branch. So instead of me going recreate what you've done, let's just plug in together and you know what? Create this fantastic light um, um, product that is really aimed for SMEs. We're not interested in the multinationals. We want to give the SMEs the chance to become a multinational. Um, um, and then, you know, and then, you know what? Dominate the world and go to Mars with Elon Musk. That's right. I don't think that's a, that's a terrible idea, actually. Must appreciate it. I'll let him know. Uh, no. uh, I'll see. Maybe I'll find him on Twitter these days. He spent more time on it. More than yeah. Uh, no, that's, yeah. Did he buy? I would love to be of help to customers in Australia. I mean, the thing is, like, what we tell our investors, I mean, uh, the, the, talking about the fundraiser, you're talking about all investors, the, the, the biggest interest for them is that it does not matter where our customers are based. It's matter. It's all that matters is where your goods are being manufactured. That's that's where supply chain data originates, and that's where we need presence. So we're equipped to service customers in any market. We have customers in the U.S. We have customers in Europe. Uh, we have customers in Canada, and so Australia is not a very far cry. You know, that's the one of probably the more established markets right after the ones yes. I just named. Yes. So we have Australia, um, um, we actually have a massive rag trade business here. Um, um, And um, in fact, some of our, you know, um, the, let's call them the top 2%, most of them come from a rag trade background. Um, So we are also, Australia is also, I think, the world's largest e-commerce nation. We, I think we as a nation buy more stuff online than any other nation per capita. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um so we're up there but we're only 25 million people and that's our weakness is that yeah. you know Australia will be punching way above its weight range had we be f- being 50 million people now. Because we yeah, got yeah. all the pieces in the right place. Um you know I I keep on seeing our politicians go and debate these insignificant things and there's just wastes time and really the 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 magic peel that will fix most of the challenges we face as a nation today is just more people you know double the population all of it will go away we will go and and we will definitely then become one of the luckiest country in the world Um, but again that's a different story i'm getting old and i'm getting into politics it's terrible 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 habit i mean what is it a senator a senator la chang someday (laughs) you know what no um Freight, freight is my game, Ram. Freight is my game, as you know. Uh, it's the only thing I know how to do. Um, yeah. But I think you know, 
everything I've learned through this conversation so far, Rem, is, um, um, you know, of course, there isn't, um, I'm not going to be able to really understand the tech behind the scenes, but so I encourage all of our audiences to, to, to scratch and sniff silk um, 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 on your website, which is onesilk.com, isn't it? Yeah, one silk. Oh, oh so one uh, o n e silk dot com for you to discover yourself. So if you're an importer exporter, you do some of these things, and 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 this simplified process of um, dealing with manufacturers, getting that visibility every step of the way, and then having a landed costing that is fixed without you bearing any of the risk. I think you need to scratch and sniff one silk or silk uh, one silk dot com, but the company is silk. Um, but with that being said, Ram, I think for me now is that um, where where do you see Silk um, in five years' time? Hey, we're in Silicon Valley. We don't dream small here, right? There's nothing <laughs> more about us. Here. Uh, obviously, the intention is that we should be able to offer the service offering for more than just the apparel brands out there. Uh, what we what Amazon did for retail. Yes. Uh, we would essentially like to do for the supply side of the equation, right? Basically, how do you get the goods into your warehouse? That part of it continues to be opaque. Uh, that's an area that customers continue to lack uh, a lot of control in their economics specifically. I'm not going to sit here and talk about just fancy visibility and knowing where your data is, where your cargo is. It's about knowing the, the outcome of that visibility. What, what does that tell you? If the cargo is going to sit in, 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 in outside Long Beach for two months, what does that tell you on the landed cost? I yeah. think that's what customers really care about. Uh, yeah. And we want to be able to be, we want to be a, that provider that gives you that visibility. Right. Uh, what your landed cost is and, you know, taking into account all the variables that impact yeah. it. Yeah. Well, those two golden words in a golden rule, know your landed costings and everything will work itself out. You know, yeah. for, for, for too often I see companies, you know, have no control over their lender costing. Some some don't even, dare I say, don't even know their lender costing because yeah. of the forwarding fees. They, 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 they don't even have an accurate lender costings. And you think yeah. you're not gonna be successful if you do not have accurate lender costings. It's simple as that. Um, for those who say, hey, freight folders have adapted to technology and they're very savvy, I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but at the end of the day, your ocean freight contracts still come in Word documents, not even Excel sometimes, right? Uh, it's, it's just the, the, the computation is fairly complex. Uh, so that's why we're saying, hey, trust the experts. We can give you that guarantee. We can give you that saying, hey, this is what your landed cost is, and we will do the job for you. Uh, that's, that's, you know, we'll take on the risk. We'll put our ass on the line and get that done for you. Uh, that's the future, man. Yeah. What do you think of the latest, well, not the latest trends, this is an ongoing trend or ongoing ambition by the shipping lines, um, wanting to become freight forwarders every which way, uh, and every which means that they can try it. And you know, you know, a few of the larger ones have bought out large multinational freight forwarding companies. Um, and you know, you got Maersk with Twill, which is previously Damco, um, um, essentially now offering, you know, these, you know, uh, almost anti-competitive uh, promises through Twill that you're going to get guaranteed on board, really taking advantage of the COVID lack of space situation. Um, but at the center of that, they want to become freight forwarders and they want to cut the freight forwarders out. What do you yeah. think about this trend? And do you think it has any legs? And, um, and if so, why? If not, why? 
Okay. No, that's that's uh, not a loaded question at all. <laughs> uh, no, uh, listen, man. Like this isn't you, right? It's not like you know. I mean, like uh, somebody, uh, one of my close friends says, uh, Musk changes its plan every couple of years. It's like, hey, twelve. No, it's not twelve. It's Musk. No, it's not Musk. It's 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 Damco. No, it's not Damco. It's back to Musk. Uh, like this isn't the first time that the carriers have come after forwarder business. Right? Yes. Uh, I think even before the pandemic, everybody knew that you're not going to get a named account rate for certain accounts with Maersk. It's just like Maersk, like they are who they are. And now there are much more bigger carriers who are getting close enough to the same size as Maersk. But they've beaten them, CMA, MSC, all these guys. Obviously, they have. And I would say the market is more conducive. Yes, tech adoption is much better now. Yes. Uh, customers have been accustomed to working remote. They work in an environment. They work in a at a time and age where, yeah, I can see a world where uh, a, a platform can sell freight for some small customers. That That is going to become more likely now. The pandemic has made that possible. So yes, I would tell freight forwarders out there that, hey, be warned. This is, this is definitely a possibility. Now, is this sustainable? Is this long-term? My, my gut says no. And uh, this isn't based on any any science or data. Let's let's just at the end of the day, this is intuition. Uh, you know, the analogy that everybody who tells you that freight forwarders are going to be a endangered species is taking it off of the oh look what happened to travel agents? They're not there. You buy your plane on plane ticket on Expedia. Yeah. Mm. Well, the difference here is that I got legs to climb on a plane. The freight does not. That's right. That's Nobody's right. going to have to do this. That's right. Uh, and. I don't personally believe that a job of a freight forwarder is the business of moving cargo. They're technically in the business of moving data. Uh, I mean, TGL, for example, you guys have moved so many shipments. I mean, let's take an average employee in your office right now in Melbourne. How often are they actually touching and seeing freight? No, they are moving <laughs> not, data. They're moving right. information. Exactly. They're letting the truck driver know what to pick up, when to pick up, where to pick up, and where to drop it off. That's right. And the warehouse needs to know what, when, and where. This is all that we do. That's we are right. They're moving data. The ones that realize that will find a way and they'll they'll succeed. Yeah. The ones who don't, uh, I would say that yeah. I mean, I watch your back. Yeah. Walking the market is changing. Customers' needs are changing. Yeah. Uh, and technology has made it possible for people who have you know who own the assets to to make some make make things difficult for you yeah uh, well and th the thing is exactly right but sometimes i feel that if you own an asset you are sort of tied to that asset and therefore it doesn't matter how how clever your business plan and so forth it's always going to be anchored down by the asset and i think this is why the shipping lines have never been able to come out of their conundrum of being so simplistic it's not because they don't choose to or have the right people or the money. They certainly have the money nowadays. It's purely because they've got these assets and they have to load it. And they have to load it every which way, you know? So while the demand is over, yeah, they can try to be creative and clever and all that. But as soon as that vessel goes 80% full, 70% full, all that goes out the window and goes straight to the forward and, hey, we need more cargo, load our ships. And that's when the prices plummet, right? That's the game plan, yeah. you know? And I'm previously, I must say, I'm probably being very unfair on the shipping lines by calling them simple. And I thought it was, they're in, you know, 
because I just thought they weren't clever. And that was, you know, unfair of me to say these things. Of course it's unfair because then I started as I got older and wiser that it's not by choice. It's because their job is to load this thing on yeah. top of oceans that needs to be filled. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so uh, any carriers watching, please don't bump my shipment. <laughs> I don't think they're going to bump your shipment because they're dangerous. I think they'll bump your shipment because you didn't pay the $20,000 container rate. Oh, jeez, jeez. Oh, jeez, jeez. We can talk about this again for a freaking long, long time. Um, so, yeah. So, look, um, I have one left field question. I'm, so, maybe not so left field because I think you are the, probably the most qualified to answer this question that not many freight forwarders or freight nerds is able to answer. Um, and, and that is... You're a freight nerd. You're starting a business in supply chain that relates and involves directly uh, plugged into freight, uh, but you're in Silicon Valley. Um, now, please tell me, how has this experience been? Was it a necessity for you to be there and create what you've created? And is that still the game plan that is required if someone was to create something similar or you know just anything to do with tech it's still got to be do i mean uh have the same game plan yeah no um that's a great question listen uh i when i first landed in the us i was in the east coast of new york as you were saying yes. earlier in the podcast um i lived in the east coast i wanted to live in the west coast and i wanted to experience what silicon valley is and to be honest i never thought there was a future for a freight nerd in silicon valley um, so what essentially happened, uh, obviously I was introduced, I made some, you know, I was part of a good network that led to me meeting somebody, uh, at Flexport and kind of be a part of that journey. And to answer your question as to, does it necessarily have to be Silicon Valley? Do I necessarily have to be here to do what I do? I don't think I have to be here in Silicon Valley anymore for the purposes of, you know, oh, learning about technology and learning what's the most cutting edge thing or, or anything else. It's more like, hey, starting a company is hard. Building a business is very hard. I mean, you know it better than anybody else. And I think uh, in terms of uh, uh, the general population density of people who are trying to put themselves through that hardship is higher in Silicon Valley. Uh, you have a lot more uh, souls that you could talk to who are going through what you're going through. You're able to learn from each other. That community is still big in Silicon Valley. Everything else, yeah, you can Zoom call it out. Uh, yeah. You can essentially call anybody. The world is, you know, it's, 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 it's an open world anymore. You can work with any part of the world. It's pretty easy. Uh, but experiencing, you know, what we experienced building a company in these early days, uh, experiencing challenges, breaking through these challenges, having that network is very important. And that exists in Silicon Valley. And I still am after some beliefs. I pay those punitive California taxes. Trust me. I, I look at the tax bill every year uh, and I question myself. Uh, you are a reasonable human being. Does this make sense? Uh, are you getting your bag for the buck? Uh, and uh, candidly, you know, man, it's not its not all numbers at the end of the day. This, this is, uh, you need to be in a place like this to be able to talk to people like uh, I do and take the bets that we make over here. Yeah. Uh, these are wild bets. Like, you know, it, it, it is. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the reason why I'm still in Silicon Valley. Right. Um, does that answer your question? It answered my question. And, um, and, and I think, you know, because 
it's what you've created um, and in Silicon Valley is for me sitting in little old Australia in Sydney is like me in a horse and cart and you're on a hovermobile you know what i mean in terms of but the thing is like it's 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 something that i've always been very intrigued and 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 so intrigued so far that it's almost like a fantasy for me um um, and then to see you go and create this i think it was i'm just naturally curious because because that makes what we do a little bit more funkier, you know. It makes exactly. what we do a little bit more cooler, you know. And um, and and I'm a pretty cool guy. <laughs> exactly right, and that's why I said earlier, right? It's not like Australia has a dearth of technology talent or you know, cutting yeah. edge technology. I'm sure there are very, very qualified software engineers. I know many Australian software engineers who live in Silicon Valley too. So it's not like anything against a particular country or a city. Like New York is, a, is one of the best cities if you work in finance. Yeah. Uh, and there are plenty of startups in New York too. But for me, I just have found this network for myself over here where it makes me feel comfortable to make these bets. And I know that, hey, uh, I can learn from a lot of these people. And yeah. you know, home is where you want it to be. And this is home right now. Well, I again, I want to congratulate you, uh, Rem. Um, it, we've known each other for for over a decade, and um, and it's you know to to see, I've as you know know a lot of people in this business or in this industry. Um, um, I must say, I don't know too many who has uh, ventured positively um, into um, um, events. So venture positively and persistently and consistently within the industry but have evolved and elevated to what you have achieved through silk today um it's it gives me a bit of um 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 um, a bit of a you know motivational kick into i mean in a sense that as long as you love what you do doesn't matter what industry you are you can make it and you can make it fun and you can make it um, 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 interesting and wonderful, and this is what I see you with silk. Um, so, look, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know it's late. You've been very accommodating to jump on this call um, because it's you know my lunchtime and it's your late evening there now. Um, that sweatshirt, I must get one of those. Fred, come on! <laughs> I wore it for a purpose. I literally got up this morning. I was like, I'm not gonna lie. I need to, I need to go online to find myself one. Right. <laughs> My friend, this was custom made. Oh. So credit goes to Flexport. We made this when I was at Flexport, and it probably sat somewhere in the back, maybe Flexport. But yeah, uh, I love the sweatshirt. It's, 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 it's fantastic. Great folding sweatshirt. Well, I think it's it's a trend that you might have started. That you know, us freight nerds, we need to start wearing these freight, you know, um, 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 analogy or cool designs because you know all the crypto guys are wearing the t-shirts with different you know like um uh, crypto fun slogans and what have you so well again ram i want to thank you so much for your time i i had a lot more questions but we're not going to get through that um but again um it's a super interesting subject um in an area that i'm not 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 a professional um by any means which is manufacturing it's often considered to be the probably the most messiest part of the supply chain um uh, full of pitfalls and um and oh it's it's nasty up there right and for you to build a silk to tackle that um speaks volumes for your 
determination and how much of a nerd, freight nerd you are. <laughs> Thank you. I will, I will, I will remember that. But yeah, I hey, listen, man, this is fun. This is definitely fun. I wake up with a jump in my step every morning saying, hey, this is, this is, let's see. Next problem this way, please. I would like to tackle you one at a time. Well, I want to, again, thank you so much for your time, Ram. Um, it's a pleasure, and I'm sure we will um, continue to talk and yeah. develop together uh, because I think we are two kids on the same bus going to the University of Freight. All right. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much, La, and uh, you know, to all the other listeners, if there's anything, if, if you ever need anything to do with Australia and freight, uh, La TGL is the man you want to call. He can he can make uh, magic happen. Uh, oh, you are too kind, sir. You are too kind. And on that bombshell, take care. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thank you so much, Ram. Take care. Bye bye. Need help with your next shipment? Feel free to visit our website at www.tgl.co to book an obligation-free consultation. You can also check out the video for this episode on our YouTube channel. And while you're at it, add us on Instagram at TGL underscore global or LinkedIn and Facebook by searching Think Global Logistics. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.